you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. In our reading tonight from the Gospel according to Mark, these two related accounts of Jesus coming into conflict with the Pharisees over Sabbath practice. In the first, as they're walking across a field, his disciples are plucking grains, heads of grain, and eating them as they walk. In the second, a man in the synagogue has his withered hand restored. It's in the context of the first incident, the one with the grains, that Jesus utters his famous statement, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. While in the second, he asks the question, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? Now, I think it's too easy, just a little bit too neat, to read these accounts and say something like, well, look at how rigid and hidebound Judaism had become. And look at Jesus as he blasts his way past the Torah to do what is clearly the right thing. For one thing, there are actually rabbinical teachings, roughly contemporary to Jesus, that say things not unlike what he says here. The Sabbath is handed over to you, not you to it, reads one. Profane or break one Sabbath for a person's sake so that he may keep many Sabbaths. Saving life overrules the Sabbath. It's a rabbinical sayings from the first and second century. As the New Testament scholar Matt Skinner observes, the proper function of the Sabbath is to promote life and extol God as liberator. Everyone knew that. So what, what's the conflict here then? If what Jesus was doing and saying actually lined up with common rabbinical wisdom that everybody knew. Well, this passage comes early in the gospel according to Mark, all of 79 verses into his narrative. Jesus has been baptized by John. He spent his 40 days in the wilderness. The disciples have been called to follow him, and a series of healings and restorations have taken place. Word has begun to spread about this new teacher from Galilee, from Nazareth of all places, who brings this healing gift. And so the interest of educated, devout, Torah-abiding people like the Pharisees is piqued. What is he all about? Is he a sham and a charlatan, a pretender like so many others who'd surfaced in that age? Is he faithful in his teaching? What are his politics? Is he a zealot, a revolutionary? Is he likely to upset the delicate balance that they've been able to maintain with the occupying Roman Empire? Serious questions. And so they are paying attention because they do feel some deep responsibility for their country and for its people. 
When they witnessed the disciples plucking those grains and eating them on the Sabbath, plucking being work, you're not supposed to work, they come to Jesus and they say, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, that might not actually be so much an accusation as it is an invitation to a little bit of rabbinical debate of the sort that produce sayings like, the Sabbath is handed over to you, not you to it. That's how things were worked out in their world, in searching and open debate. The real issue is what Jesus introduces into this debate. He begins by asking them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? And then he quickly recalls the story of how, when he was a fugitive fleeing from King Saul, David had insisted that the priest, Ahimelech, give him the bread of the presence, bread consecrated and set aside as an offering to God, only to be eaten by the priests later. David wanted that bread, insisted it be given him, so that he and his men could eat, for they were famished. It's a scriptural precedent for setting aside a law for the sake of a higher purpose, right? But inciting a story involving the great King David, perhaps the Pharisees were struck by Jesus being just a little bit presumptuous. Certainly what Jesus says next would have made them drop their jaws, having kind of drawn a parallel between David and himself. He says the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. Good, not unprecedented in the teachings of the rabbis. But then he adds, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Oh, who does this guy think he is? Son of man, he calls himself, Lord of the Sabbath. Who can make that sort of a claim? We've got a young, upstart teacher on our hands, apparently with some gifts as a healer, but he's making some dangerously presumptuous claims, which is why they follow Jesus and the disciples. They follow him right into the synagogue to see what he might do next. What was he going to do in that public space? What was he going to say? How was he going to act? How dangerous is he? This is where Jesus encounters the man with the withered hand. And as they watch, he calls that man forward, and he asks the question openly, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? Silence. None of them, including the suspicious and worried Pharisees who'd followed him into that place, could find anything like the right words with which to answer, and so they watch. And the man is healed. And Mark says, the Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Now, that might seem like an awfully sudden, serious move to make, to see these two events to be part of this quick exchange and then to conspire to destroy him. But it's typical of Mark's narrative. 
in which everything happens very suddenly and immediately. The Pharisees join with the Herodians, by which Mark probably means those members of the the Jewish people who have allied themselves with King Herod. King Herod, the puppet king of the Roman Empire, this is not a natural nor an expected alliance because on the whole the Pharisees were deeply critical of Herod, not given to anything that would compromise the fidelity of their religious life. So a strange bedfellows, right, is made here. As Matt Skinner comments, even as this passage emphasized a commitment to life and vitality abiding at the heart of God's reign, it also illustrates how religious commitments and values, any religious commitments and values, can ossify and turn oppressive in the hands of careless stewards. None are immune. The Pharisees in this encounter with Jesus over Sabbath begin to find their position hardening and ossifying. There remains, of course, though, Jesus' words about Sabbath, how it was meant to be a gift to humankind, not something that we had to satisfy or serve or carry as a burden. Here he is emphasizing the idea of Sabbath as gift which is an idea to which I think we would do well to attend. Recall that Sabbath was originally given to a people who'd been enslaved in Egypt, where they labored to meet the expectations of a ceaseless, seven-day-a-week economy, never satisfied, never enough bricks, never is the work hard enough. Recall, too, that Sabbath was embraced with newness in the time of exile in Babylon, where captive Israelites were again subject to that same sort of seven-day-a-week ceaseless economy. The book of Deuteronomy, it reads, The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. Now, if you're reading that in light of slavery... Or if you're reading that in light of the kind of captivity in Babylon, a law that says you shall do no work is huge liberty. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident aliens in your town so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. But again, the subtext is not as burden, but as gift. Remember, and then break the endless cycle of work and acquisition. Remember, and do not do to yourselves what Pharaoh did to you. For without this gift of rest and respite from work and purchasing and selling and economy and marketplace, your lives will hardly be worth living. Let this day be for you, not in a rigid, stifling, rule-bound way, but in a liberating and life-giving way. 
And don't we need that now? Don't we need that now in a world that doesn't want us to slow down? A world in which we can shop 24 hours a day online, in which we are constantly tracked down by the email and text messages that come in our phones, that follow us from our workplaces to home and back to work again, to set down those devices, and all else that keeps us in a constant state of multitask distraction, and to learn to do that as a part of the weekly rhythm of living, a discipline that says, no, I can rest, I can take a break, I don't have to shop, I don't have to do this, I don't have to work, I don't have to answer that. To set that down for a period of time, what a gift. Now, that won't necessarily be Sunday, It isn't for me, right? For me, it's Friday. That that is my my Sabbath day. But but even then, I, I, I have to hold Friday loosely sometimes, as was the case just this past Friday when I've been asked to preach at the funeral for Charles Walton. No, no, I can't preach. It's my Sabbath. Uh huh. If you've got a family with young children, The idea of a whole day Sabbath is startling, shocking, and impossible. But maybe maybe there's a way to carve out for a young parent, carve out an afternoon or even an evening out together to kind of breathe and be differently. However we can manage to practice this idea of Sabbath or sabbatical or rest or respite as gift, However, we can learn to practice it, and it does actually take practice to get into the right sort of rhythm. Let it be a gift. Let it be like a bit of nourishment that the disciples picked, plucked as they took those grains and chewed them as they made their way across that field. Let it be for you, for us, not a burden because it was created for us. Let it be a gift. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.